0: Amen, it's been a good morning so far. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 33, please. Psalm 33. Let's start reading in verse 10. I find the philosophy of the world and the counsel of the lost and the agendas of the far left seem to be an ever-present distraction in our, t- in our uh, culture, in our society today. Uh, what we hear on the news, what we see in our communities, what's being taught in the schools and university, uh, is, is clear evidence, and it attests, that the, the fact that there is a contrary source of counsel, uh, in which we could really limit that down to two sources, good and evil, God and the devil. The counsel of the world which ultimate source of that is Satan himself, or or the counsel of the Lord. That's what we're going to look at this morning as we read the scriptures together in Psalms 33 and verse 10. Verse 10 reads, The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looketh from heaven and he beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his inhabitation, uh, he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He He fashioneth their hearts alike. He considereth all their works." There is no king saved by the multitude of an host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. The horse is a vain thing for safety, neither shall he deliver any by his strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him and upon them that hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord; He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in Him, because we have trusted in His holy name. Thy, uh, let Thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us, according as we hope in Thee. Let's bow for a word of prayer as we get into the lesson this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the music this morning, for the worship. Thank you, Lord, again, that we can come and open up your word. And God, I just pray that you would soften our hearts this very second, Lord, as we open up your word and as I pray that you would eliminate all distractions and, Lord, that you'd use me, that I'd be guided by the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, that we would walk in different than we walked out. Maybe there's somebody here in need of salvation, in need of a, maybe a, a, a recommitment to you. I pray that they would make a decision today for you, Lord. I pray that you would teach us from your word. We thank you for all this in Christ's name. I pray, amen. Verse 10 reads, the Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. That was an encouraging scripture that I read as I, as I was doing my devotions, I came across this uh, scripture and it just seems today like Christians are in a minority and I believe we are in a minority. But it sure seems like the, the, the views of Christianity, the, the Bible, it seems like the odds are always against us, doesn't it? But I've got an encouraging verse for you this morning. It's not always gonna be that way. And there will be a victory at the end. It's, the Bible says this, the Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught." So first of all, we're gonna look at the counsel of the heathen, or the counsel of the world. I want you to notice, first of all, that It's the Lord's doing to sway the counsel of the heathen. It's in in God's hand. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And it's the Lord's doing to sway the counsel of the heathen. The Bible says, the Lord bringeth. Uh, That literally means, the Lord bringeth literally means to break or to utterly take. He did it before. He could do it again. He did it to the children of Israel, didn't he? He did it uh, in Egypt to the children of Israel. Um, as uh, the Egyptians, they, they seem to have an answer for everything. They seem to have a God for everything as the Lord sends these plagues. And it would cause their you know them to itch their heads at what's taking place here. Uh, he caused their counsel to fail, um, we think about the children of Israel in exile for 70 years. We think about King Cyrus, how the Lord swayed his heart to allow the children of Israel to go and build a temple back in Jerusalem. In your life, there had to come a point, if you're a believer here this morning, it had to come a point where the Lord had to sway your way of thinking. You had your own counsel, you had your own philosophies, you had your own ways but at one point or another, the Lord got a hold of your heart and said, "You know what? I need. It's not by me that I can get to heaven. It's by Christ. You had to partner up with the counsel of the Lord. So the Lord is in control. But what is He? The Bible says in verse ten, the Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. So He brings it, or He breaks it, or He takes it. But what exactly is the Lord? taking or uh, utterly breaking. It's the counsel of the heathen. The advice, what is the counsel of the heathen? It's the advice of the world. It's the plans and the purposes of the ungodly. And don't they seem like they're increasing in the day that we're living? The enemy wants to uh, invade your mind through wrong counsel. What you hear that influences you, what you see that cause, uh, causes uh, an impact on your life without even realizing it. The Bible talks about counsel. If we quickly just go over to Psalms chapter number one. It talks about counsel. And if we're not careful in the day that we're living as Christians, we can absorb things and they'll have an impact on us without us even realizing it. Verse 1 says this, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. What does that mean? Uh, There's blessings that God wants to give people that don't do the following. And the first one is this, he that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed is the person that does not get his advice from the world. Where are you getting your helps from? Where are you getting your advice from? Is it from the world? Is it from others, maybe that aren't saved? Or is it from God and His Word and believers? Secondly, we see in the same verse, nor standeth in the way of sinners. What, what does that mean? Following the, the same patterns that the world follows. Blessed is a person that doesn't do that. Thirdly, nor sitteth in the seat. Of the scornful, what what does that? That's a person that is actively participating in harmful acts to yourself or to others. How do you talk about people when they're not around? Uh, do you, are you doing things that may cause hurt to yourself or hurt to others? The Bible's saying, "Blessed are you if you don't do those things. If you don't get your advice from the world, if you don't follow the patterns of the world, and you don't." Involve yourself in acts that will harm yourself or others of the world. Let's go back to our passage here, uh, verse, chapter thirty-three, verse ten. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught, and then it says He maketh the devices of the people of none effect devices devices what do you think of when you hear the word device i think of a cell phone but here it's their intentions there it could even be their inventions their purposes their plans even their imaginations we're living in an antichrist society Just recently, I saw a video, and sometimes you, do you ever hear things taking place? It's just like, no, that that can't be. There's no way that would happen. And somebody, whether it's true or not, thought of this, and I thought, even somebody to think of this. So a lady, she gets pregnant, and she's got an egg inside of her. Well, they want to come up with new technology that extracts the egg from the human, puts it in a capsule, and begins to form the babies. You don't have to go through childbirth. You don't have to feel the pains of that. You don't have to mess around with things like that. And they feed the baby. You can visit the baby and watch the baby grow through this glass. And whether it's true or not, somebody thought of this. And you know what? When you mess around with God's nature, we're in We're in in judgment. We're we're worthy of judgment. He bringeth the devices of the people to none effect. To none effect. Oh, and you hear things in the news. Kind of discouraging sometimes, isn't it? You think about these things and you you begin to worry, but then I go back to the scripture. Then I go back to the thing which I place my hope in and, and I'm reminded that the Lord is in control. He brings the counsel of the heathen to nothing, and, and the, the devices of the people of none effect, that literally means he, neut- he can neutralize it. When the enemy wants to cause you harm, God has the ability to say, I'm going to neutralize that. It kind of reminds me of like a, like a chemical spill or something, and they, they spray this foam on it to, to neutralize it so it becomes not toxic anymore. God has the ability uh, in his strength to say, the enemy's trying to get you, but I'm going to I'm going to neutralize it. Isaiah 19 and verse 3 says, The spirit of Egypt shall fail in the midst thereof, and I will destroy the counsel thereof. We kind of looked a little bit at the counsel of the heathen, but look at verse 11 as, it says, as we look at the counsel of the Lord. The Bible says in verse 11, the counsel of the Lord standeth forever. That's where you would say, amen. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. Amen. Can we try it one more time? The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. Amen. Amen. You can't get rid of the word of God. There's been people over the time of history that's tried to get rid of the word of God. You can't get rid of the word of God because it stands forever. Um, who would have thought, was anybody around in the public school, maybe Catholic or public, and the Bible was in the school board when you were in it? Can you raise your hand? The Bible was in the school board when you were in it. Over half the people in this room, in your lifetime, the Bible was in the school when you were in it. The public school, the whatever it may have been. Could you imagine in your lifetime that they've taken the word of God out and what have they done? They brought the transgender in. Who would have thought that so quickly something so so good, so good, and so right, would then be replaced and be taught to, to four year olds and five year olds about things that should never come across their eyes. Wow. But the counsel of the Lord will stand forever. I remember even going to my school. I just got saved in grade 11, 17 years old, and I remember going to the school, and I, and I just, I went to the school with my Bible, and I got the opportunity to preach to the people at my school, right, right on the property of the school. The principal came out, about 50 kids on the main entrance, and I was able to, to preach to them. I had more boldness then than I do now. But I went back a week later, and I came with the Bible and I came onto the school, school property and they said, you can't come on here with that in your hand. You're not allowed to do that here. That's, that's illegal. So I went to the sidewalk. <laughs> but they, the, the devil wants to get rid of the word of God. But it will stand forever. I think about William Tyndale. Does anybody know about William Tyndale? Responsible for translating into English about 85% of the Bible we hold in our hand. His printing press. You know the story about that? His printing press. And how the way that it was set up, it was, it was the priests that knew the word of God, and the common folk didn't know the word of God. They had a stronghold on the people. They found out that the Bible was being printed in the common commoners' language. They wanted to stop it. So they said, you know what? Turn in your Bible. Turn in your sword, and we'll pay you for it. So they begin to turn them in. But the payment for that Bible that they were getting paid would, could, could produce, I think it was four or five other Bibles. So they tried to stop the counsel of God, but they just, God used the enemy to supply the funds to produce more Bibles, The counsel of the Lord, it's an everlasting counsel. It standeth forever. Verse 12, it says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. I think about the United States and Canada back a few years ago. I think about how we were somewhat founded on the word of God. Parliament building and and how the word of God is etched into the concrete. and The United States of America and how they took a stand and for a long, long time were known as the most prosperous nation in the world. The, the, The currency is measured by the U.S. dollar. It's not because they're mighty and they have a big population. It's because they took a stand on the word of God. God has blessed them. God has blessed us. But may I say this? We are just running on the fumes of the past. The blessing of the fumes of the past. Because us as a nation, us as a people, have taken a step back and we backed away from God. We backed away from his word. We backed away from uh, just following the Bible. And what are we seeing now? Our nation is crumbling. What what do we expect? What do we expect? So it's an everlasting council, but it's also a universal council. Look at verse 13. The Lord looketh from heaven and beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. I mean, his ways are past Finding out, I think one of the teens just recently said, I, I, I don't understand how God is not in time. It's hard to understand that. I mean, his ways are past finding out. He looks on the, the world, on the globe, and can see all the inhabitants in a single glamp, glimpse. I imagine, I'm just unfathomable. Verse 14, from the place of his in, uh, habitation, he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth, he, his, his counsel is universal. I mean, he sees everybody and he knows every need and he, he sees it all at once. But there is also a universal need. Look at verse 15. He fashioneth all their hearts alike and he considereth all their works. A universe, know what the universal need of humanity is? We are in desperate need for a savior. As a human being, God has created us uh, born into sin because Adam and Eve, born uh, at odds with God, born with a default, and that default is destined to a place called hell. Born with a a spirit that is dead and has no connection with, with God. In the universal need, he sees us, he fashions all of our hearts alike, and I found this out traveling around. I've been to Africa twice. I've been to uh, Peru and Jamaica. I've been, I've, been, I've been around to different cultures, different areas. And you know what? The, the need still remains the same. Man is in desperate need for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Man is in desperate need of redemption. Man is in desperate need. God has created man with this emptiness in them, inside of them. God, God has created the human being to have fellowship as Adam and Eve once did. God has created us with this desperate need to know him. He's fashioned all our hearts alike. And until we come to the spot where we find Christ and, and our, we get born again, that means our spirit becomes alive and we're connected with, with Christ, to God through Christ. You'll find yourself empty, empty, You find yourself lonely, you find yourself not just just not happy until you come to Christ because He's fashioned our hearts alike, He knows, He's considered all of our works. This is a universal struggle. Look at verse 16. There is no king saved by a multitude of a host. And a mighty man is not delivered by much strength. The the universal struggle is this, pride. The universal struggle is dependence upon yourself rather than the Lord. I can do this. I I can get through this. I'm, I'm able to do it on my own. No, you're not. When it comes to your soul, there is no power, there is no wealth that can deliver you. Save the power of God, the wealth of his blood poured out for you. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, verse 12, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. If I were to ask 100 people that were not Christians, hey, how can you get to heaven? What do you believe that if you were to die right now and you were to stand before God, what are your thoughts, what is your belief system on how you would get to heaven? What, why would God let you in? What would you say? People are kind of taken back at that sometimes. Well, that's a, that's a deep question. But nine times out of 10, you know what people say that are lost? If my good outweighs my bad, like a, like a scale, God will let me in. There is a way, the Bible says, which seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. I believe that way that seems right. I believe that way that, that just makes sense to the human mind is, is if, if I'm a good person, God will allow me into heaven. Here's the only problem. One sin makes you a sinner. And the Bible says if we've offended in one area of the law, we are guilty of all. So we're eliminated from birth because we're born into sin were eliminated to be allowed into heaven because only perfection can get into heaven. Therefore, Christ humbled himself. Uh, He he took upon him the form of a servant. He became obedient unto the death of the cross. He shed his blood. He he paid for your sin on the cross, not so that you could say, I can do this. Uh, I'm good enough. So that you would say, I need a savior Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He that that receives me. You've got to receive Christ as your personal Savior to be saved. So there's a universal struggle when it comes to your soul. There's also a reliance on the power of man rather than the power of God. Look at verse 18 or verse 17. It says, The horse is a vain thing for safety, neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. The very thing in which humanity places power or, or, or has a measuring stick of power is what? Horsepower. Muscle car, horsepower, how, how, how fast does it go? Well, how much horsepower does it have? We measure power by, by the horse. But even the most powerful thing that you can think of is not powerful enough to deliver your soul from a Christless eternity. Paul put it this way, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. We realize this, when a person gets saved, When you make that decision, when you put your faith in Christ, you realize that you're a sinner on your way to hell. There's nothing that you could do, but he did everything on the cross. And I I come to him in faith, and I say, Lord, in faith, save me. In your heart, you believe that. You put your faith in what he did on Calvary. Something great happens. It is the power of God unto salvation. We can't see it. We we, we can't see it. It's beyond our eye. But something great happens. You know what happens? What happens? A soul that will spend all of eternity in hell is translated that, that citizenship is now transferred over to the kingdom of God and there's rejoicing and have, something great happens that impacts your whole eternity. And here on earth, you get a relationship with Christ. You get the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You get forgiveness of sins whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lastly, the choice that must be made. Verse 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. Will you choose to trust Christ? Now we just talked about in verse 13, how, how the Lord beholds all the sons of man. How, in verse 14, uh, how all the inhabitants of the, he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He sees everybody. So it's not that the Lord isn't concerned about you. It's not that the Lord uh, uh, doesn't care what you're going through. He knows what you're going through. He sees everything. But how do you get past the, the, his, his glimpse upon you and, and to his eye? Upon you, because it says in verse 13, 14, he sees you. But look at verse 18. Don't miss this. His eye is upon them that fear him. I don't know about you, but I, I, I sure rather, when I'm going through a hard time, I don't want to wait till I'm going through a hard time to say, I need God's eye upon me. No, I want God to see me. And and, and that that closeness of, of his eye, not, not just a glimpse. Not not just, oh, he knows where I live and he knows my affairs, but, but no, his, his eye. Who gets that? Who gets that? Verse 18, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him. Not a, oh, I'm scared, Lord. I'm scared. No, a trust. A, a, a reverence. A, a trust that God is gonna help me. God, God is gonna come through. I, I need God. A dependence on him. I, I can't do this without you, God. I can't live for you. I can't read your word. I, I can't teach the class. I can't raise my family. I can't uh, uh, continue this marriage. I need the Lord. Upon them that fear Him. Have you ever wanted to get somebody's attention, but the room was too loud? Hockey game or something? Oh, I'm over here. I'm over here. Can't hear you. So what do you got to do? You got to get. They they have to be in in sight of vision. Don't they have to see you? And then you're kind of looking like a madman because you. are up in the nosebleeds couldn't hear you you gotta gotta be in their uh, line of sight so it's not that God isn't concerned about you because he is it's that when you put your trust in Christ it bridges the gap of mere sight to his eye upon you if you want to get the Lord's attention just trust in him Verse 19, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. To deliver their souls from death. For the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Some people work here, they get a wage, they get a payment, they get a check at the end of a week or end of two weeks for the wages of, uh, they deserve their wage and they've worked for their wage and they get a payment. At the end of our life, if you choose not to trust Christ, the Bible says this, for the wages of our sin is death. We, you know what death means? It means hell. If we choose to reject Christ in this life, We have to pay for our sins ourselves in a place called hell. We deserve it. For the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of God, the best gift that has ever been given to humanity and still remains to be the best is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The best gift when Jesus died on the cross He shed all his blood. He gave it all so that we could be saved through eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He delivers from death and he delivers from famine or from hunger. Let's go back to Psalm chapter one real quick. Psalm 1. So we talked about the counsel, the first three verses. Well, the fourth, uh, the third verse, uh, this is the second verse. So we talked about what not to do. Don't get your advice from the world. Uh, you know, don't, don't follow the patterns of the world. Don't participate in the acts of the world. But verse two, what do we, okay, what I love, I love the word of God because it tells us what not to do, but then it tells us what to do. Verse two, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So uh, let's say you're a Christian here, and you're kind of struggling in your Christian walk. You can't say, I'm gonna, cut out, uh, I'm gonna cut out that bad music, and I'm just not gonna listen to music. You can't do that. You gotta replace it with something good. You can't say, I'm not gonna get counsel from the world, and I'm just not gonna get any counsel. No, you gotta get counsel from God's word. He that meditates there uh, day and night, that person that gets in the word of God presses real close to the word of God has changed. Uh, Why? The Bible says, verse 3, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, uh, and his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I remember flying into Africa, flying through the Sahara, just barren land, sand everywhere. But then this, this little strip, I saw this little strip of life, greenery, in the middle of Desert. You know what it was? It was the Nile River. There was life by the river. There was water by the river and there was a a strip of lush land throughout as far as the eye could see all the way up into Egypt. And I came to the conclusion of this. Houses were set up in the desert because there was a source of life. Here in this passage of scripture, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. I think of, I don't know why, I just picture a a nice, mature willow tree. Huge tree planted by the rivers of water. You know what we are in right now? We're in a spiritual famine. Our society is in a spiritual, they're spiritually bankrupt, turning to every device, turning to every counsel but the Lord. Uh, I mean, the spiritual Poverty is taking place. How do you survive as a Christian around it? Get in the word of God, and when you get into the word of God, even though there's a famine out there, you're gonna be like the tree planted by the rivers of water. He's got a continual source of life, no matter if it doesn't rain or not. Doesn't matter how much it doesn't rain. If you're by the river, you're gonna have that source of life. Uh, He bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Don't get discouraged If you're following God, and right now, this season, it doesn't seem like it's working. Because even in this uh, passage of Scripture to the successful Christian, his fruit comes in a season. The cherry trees are blossoming. They don't have any cherries yet. They'll come in their season. You just keep going forward for God. You keep raising your family. You keep witnessing. And the season will come where you have fruit. It's so encouraging, actually, to, to be here today in this season of Bethel Baptist Church's uh, uh, history right now. People getting saved? Uh, you know, people that we have years invested into are now getting saved. Families are getting saved. People are growing in the Lord. So encouraging. Goes on to say, and uh, His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Verse 4, The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. That's sad, isn't it? Ungodly are perishing. Where are they going? To hell. The the Lord knoweth the way. His eye is upon them that fear him. Uh, But the way of the ungodly shall perish. Oh man, there's people around that need Jesus. They need, they need to hear the gospel. They could be saved. Yeah. Choose to wait. Go back to, I'm almost done. Psalms 33, verse 20. It says this, verse 20. Our, our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, our soul. What's waiting? Our soul is waiting. Who we are inside of us, it waits for the Lord. I tell our teens, wait for the right person to come along. Don't give yourself to the first person that shows you attention. Don't, don't date until you're married. No, don't say that. Um, just, just, just wait. Just wait. Just wait. I tell them the story about my wife. We got married. We weren't necessarily young when we got married. You know, she, she went to Harvesters, and all, all the girls, all her friends her age were married off at a young age. You know, 19, 20, married. By the age of 25, four kids in a house, you know? And she's there. We were married 27, 26, 27. And she lies there, single, waiting. And look what she got. (laughs) Wait, I say. Wait. Kelvin's going to edit that one, and I'm going to have a video pop up on my email the next day. I I know I am. But you know what? When those doors swung open, when we we got married, you know, the, the song plays... I can only imagine, dum, 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 Dun dum, dum, dum. And you know what? The door swung open. And ladies, if you're young, maybe not married, the best thing that you can give a, your husband is yourself and present yourself to your husband and have waited for the right person to come along. The door swung open. And I said, whoo! wow. So she waited. She gave, you know what she gave me? She gave me herself. Wow. I said, man, I couldn't ask for more kind of like a picture of christ in the church isn't it christ is going to come back we we sung about it this morning he's going to come back for the bride us the the the, the church he's going to come back one day for us and will he find us waiting and 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 ready and and saying you know what i'm not going to involve myself in the council of the world i'm not going to follow the things of the world because christ is coming i'm looking to the eastern sky and i'm waiting lord I'm, i'm waiting for you he says this, I'm sure he would say, there's nothing better than to come back for a bride that has kept himself for me. Will you choose to wait? Why wait? Because he is, uh, verse 20, he is our help and our shield. I think about uh, that word help, it literally means first aid. First aid. When I think about first, uh, sorry, it literally means aid. And when I think of first aid kit, We go to the first aid kit to find a solution for the problem. But with the Lord, the Lord never gives a band-aid. He gives a solution. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. He's also, verse 20, he is our shield. He's our protector. Verse 21, our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name let thy mercy o lord be upon us according as we hope in thee you may ask yourself this christian or you may ask yourself this question as a christian how do i become a christian that rejoices more you must uh, give full access of your heart to the lord the bible says for our heart verse 21 shall rejoice in him Your dependence must be upon Christ and his word. So counsel. It sure is an easy thing to hear the counsel of the world. It sure is an easy thing to follow the counsel of the world. But theirs is ever-changing, temporal, and will fail. But God's counsel, however, has stood the tests of time and will stand forever. So the ball is in your court. The decision is up to you. Whose counsel will you follow? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for who you are. I thank you, Lord, that you didn't leave us in a state of confusion. You left us with your word, the ultimate handbook to life. We thank you for who you are and what you're doing. Lord, I do pray right now if there's somebody here that's not saved, that they would make the decision to trust Christ. And they would then know what it is uh, to be able to call your name the Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? As uh, we have a time of invitation, a time of perhaps decision. Lord, spoken to your heart, why don't you come and pray? Deal with it. Maybe you, you say this, I need to be the proper counselor to somebody else. I need to be giving the right advice to people around me. I need to follow the right advice. You come as the Lord deals with your heart. Maybe there's somebody here as people are praying, somebody here, nobody's looking around that they say, I'm not saved, but I need to be saved. I need to become a Christian. I need to be born again. You say, Pastor Cody, that's me. I've been fighting it. I need to be saved. Pray for me, here's my hand. Is anybody like that here? Uh, As a way of testimony, pray for me, I need to be saved. I'm raising my hand as a testimony, I need to be saved. Amen, I see that hand. Is there anybody else? I need to be saved. That's me, pray for me. Amen. People are praying and you do business with the Lord. If you raised your hand, if we'd love to have somebody come, if you wanna come up to the front, uh, Pastor Paul is here. He'll he'll talk with you if you want to if you want to come up if you want if you're serious about being saved. Why don't you come up and somebody will talk, lead you, show you the Bible. Others are praying. You lead you deal with the Lord.